0: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Thanks for listening to the best of the Ben Maller Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weeknight from 2 to 6 Eastern, 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And to find your local station for the Ben Maller Show at foxsportsradio.com. You can find it there or stream us live every night on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR.
5: This is the best of the Ben Maller Show on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Hey, it's Ben coming up on the next edition of the Ben Maller Show. This is your audio invitation. We'll have the post-mortem, the autopsy, on a wild roller coaster ride of a divisional round of the playoffs and What happens next? We're on Tom Brady Watch. Where does Brady go? Does he stay in Tampa? Does he say, I'm out of here? We'll have all the big news of the day as well. Join us on the next Ben Maller Show. You can ram it. You can ram it all day. We're going to ram it all night. And you can ram it into the NFC title game. Welcome in the beginning of yet another edition of the Ben Maller Show. We are united together in the air everywhere. The little thing we call the Mallor Militia as we vocalize coast to coast, border to border, and beyond on the planetarily powerful microphones of FSR emanating live right here from the stump as in stump speech, the Fox Sports Radio studios at a secret location somewhere in the Northwoods. Hope all is well in your world. Well, we had a, a crappy wild card weekend in the NFL. It's almost like it was orchestrated to make it as good as possible in the divisional round. And it certainly worked out. But our lead this hour, for obvious reasons comes from the sunshine state because on this show the currency of the Ben Maller show I am told this was the most important game judging by some of the things I saw in the cyber world the cyber playground many of you are very upset and that's how we kick things off here the football jamboree and we are going to get to every single game we got a lot of time right 4 hours of a blank audio canvas to paint word pictures all night long into the wee hours of the morning. But we'll start with the NFC matchup from Sunday where Aaron Donald leading the Rams in their traveling circus into the pirate ship to get some booty and a date with TB12 and the Buccaneers. I don't know if you watch. I assume you're listening to a sports talk radio show at a rather ungodly hour, so the chances are you probably did watch, but maybe not. So don't worry. We watched, so you would not have to. Matthew Stafford, the much maligned Matthew Stafford, passing for 366 yards, a pair of touchdowns. He had no interceptions. He teamed up with Cooper Cup, an amazing yin to the yang, on the game-winning field goal drive that covered 63 yards in 42 seconds. And the Rams, who blew the lead, ended up sticking a dagger into the heart of what were the reigning Super Bowl champion, Buccaneers, who are now going to Cancun on vacation after a failed comeback attempt by Tom Brady. And much more on that. The Rams now will be hosting the Niners, a beaten up, broken Niners team, in the NFC title game with the winner headed to the Super Bowl in that same stadium, Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium, in the hood in Inglewood in Southern California. So there's a lot to unpack. Let's discuss the question. What happened to all of the chatter we've been hearing all year that Matthew Stafford can't win a playoff game? What happened to it? So my thoughts, you've got Mona LL Cool J, that's old school, and truancy. And we're going to put all these things together, and we are going to make a tremendous victory dance, is what we're going to make. So, A, listen, all season, I have been here. Now, who am I? I'm just uh, a loser, but I've been hearing all the noise, I've been seeing all the amazing hot takes, the hot take army who have been bombarding uh, everyone, uh, they have all the answers. They know exactly what's going to happen with Matthew Stafford. The Rams are frauds because of Stafford. Matthew Stafford's a bum. He's a bum, I was told. Can't play in the playoffs, uh, these uh, geniuses told me. And uh, you know these people are. Uh, they have strangely been quiet for the most part. Who would have predicted uh, that would be the case. Well, on cue, the undomesticated country bumpkins uh, just at, just about this time they go into hiding after a a ram performance. Uh, that's that's what you do, right? If you're a a a, a rube or a mark, as they, the the say, that's what you do. So so what happened here? Now, being totally objective on Matthew Stafford, the verdict is in. We now have our answer that Matthew Stafford has proven beyond a reasonable doubt in two playoff games, that it was the village that was the problem, not the quarterback. All right. Capisce? uh The lions had the wrong mix of players and coaches. Clearly they've had a long, the wrong mix of mix of players and coaches for 50 years, but, uh, Clearly, the, the, the standard's uh, not up to where the Rams are, the high standards. And that explains how Matthew Stafford was 0-3 for 3 in Honolulu Blue in the postseason. He's now played two playoff games, win-win. And Stafford is holding a brush, and he is painting the Mona, the Mona Lisa in L.A. Now, what is my evidence? First of all, you've to go back to the Wayback Machine. Before you look ahead, you must look back. And Matthew Stafford, in those three postseason games in Detroit, had decent numbers. He passed for a fair amount of yards. He averaged 7.7 yards per attempt, had four touchdowns, three interceptions. He also lost two fumbles. His passer rating in Lions playoff games was below 90. It was 87.8. A good passer rating is around 100 or above. So you zoom ahead now. You hit fast forward. You get to now, in the here and now, And Matthew Stafford in two playoff games with the Rams has 568 yards passing. He's averaging 10.3 yards per attempt, completing just a hair below 75% of his passes. So the, the numbers are up across the board. Four touchdowns, no interceptions, and he's had two rushing touchdowns and no fumbles. Passer rating. Of 131.4. Let me repeat that for those of you that are a little slow in the back of the room. Matthew Stafford has a passer rating in a Ram playoff environment. The ecosystem of the postseason, 131.4. Now, obviously, he got a big assist from Cooper Cup. In the Cup! What's in the Cup? Now, that'd be a game-winning final drive as Cup had two catches for 64 yards on that drive. Zooming. Pass the ill-begotten Buck secondary like they were telephone poles, and continuing the immaculate season for Cooper Cup. Unlikely he will ever match the rarefied air he's in right now, but he's going to ride this thing out. Now, part B of this. As for the Rams going from up twenty-seven to three to tied twenty-seven, how did this happen? Many are asking. Well. Easy-peasy, in the words of LL Cool J, don't call it a comeback. This was a Shakespearean drama performed by the Keystone Cops. Uh, Tampa was dead in the water. They were dead in the water. They were rendered feeble by the Rams in the beginning part of this game. The so-called comeback was not because of Tom Brady, hocus. Pocus, uh, no, it was football malpractice. The Rams, anybody that knows football knows they were more talented than the Bucs. We tried to tell you last week, you didn't listen. But the Rams had the better players. They got sloppy, right? And they were better in this game. The Rams, they were the ones that were the the alpha. They were the ones controlling the game for seventy five percent of it. it. It's it's kind of like though they in late in the game they put lubricants on the Duke. Uh, The football, the Duke, and uh, Cam Akers, holy cannoli, two fumbles for Cam Akers. Matt Gay missed a 47-yard field goal, came up short uh, with 6.36 left. That would have been big. Uh, Cooper Cup also had a fumble. The Rams center, some guy named Brian Allen, generic center in the NFL, snapped the ball over the head of Matthew Stafford. It was like football bloopers and practical jokes, football follies, uh, over the head of Stafford. Now, as for the Trolls, I would like to address you. You know who you are. Uh, you think you got to me. You did not. I was able to avoid the Trolls. There's an amazing thing called airplane mode. I recommend it highly on your smartphone. It's a heck of a way to watch a game. And I, I blocked out all the noise. I hopped on airplane mode. I avoided Twitter and the losers and the scumbags. And the uh, just the bottom of the barrel. Who... You know who were doing the thing now. I also uh, avoided the people that have my number in real life. Some of them were trying to get under my skin, and uh, and and then when the game ended, it, you know it was on like Donkey Kong. I went over there and I read. I enjoyed reading all the wrong takes, all the over hasty, hate filled messages, all the people that had uh, orgasms. They were a little aroused there because they thought the Rams were going to lose. I enjoyed all of it, and I'm honored. I'm flattered that. Watching an NFL playoff game that I'm in your head that you want to send me an angry message, that you want to, you want to take a little punch. I, I'm happy at that. I'm happy at that. Now, the last word here, does Tom Brady get a pass because of the Bucks frantic comeback attempt, they pass for losing a home playoff game against Matthew Stafford? So I am shaking my head no. All right? Don't be a Brady apologist. Don't be a Brady lapdog. Tom Brady... Let me be very clear here. Let me spell it out for you. He was guilty of truancy for the balance of that game. In the first half, Brady took a ride on the Vomit Comet to start this game. He looked like he should retire. He had no touchdowns and interception in the first half. Passer rating below 50. Passer rating of 42.2 for Mr. Brady. He was averaging 5 yards per pass attempt. 112 yards passing. Now, it was second rate. All the way. And even going to the fourth quarter, Bucks scored some points in the third quarter, but Brady had a 56.5 passer rating and was averaging 5.5 yards per attempt, which is... I have no
2: knowledge of anything.
1: That is a not even a baseline quarterback. That's 75% of the game that Brady uh, sucked. And, and let's not forget that that is also part of the report card. You can't just judge Brady on the fourth quarter because we pointed out... It really was nothing Brady did. It was merely the incompetence of Cam Akers and several other Ram players with brain farts. But you also had Brady flagged for his first unsportsmanlike conduct penalty because of his bosom buddy. Now, we talked about this last week. If you were listening on a previous episode, remember when we played the audio Tom Brady braggadocious last week? He was bragging to Jim Gray, his BFF, his bosom buddy, Uh, about getting away with unsportsmanlike conduct penalties for talking smack to the referees when he he doesn't get a call go his way. Well, it appears that Sean Hockley, the spawn of the famous Ed Hockley, Sean Hockley. Who? He's a referee. He was watching the clip. Brady got hit by Vaughn Miller and determined, in Brady's opinion, it was roughing the passer. Because he had a bloody lip. Oh, poor Tom Brady, the patron saint of the NFL's got a bloody lip. God forbid. Well, the referees disagreed. And Sean Hockley, uh, he said via a pool report after the game that he got in. He said, quote, Brady got in my face. He said he. But Brady got in my face in an aggressive manner and used abusive language. The language police. As for the hit, Hockley said, uh, we did not think that it rose to the level of roughing the passer. Close quote yeah uh, and I agree it was not a roughing the pass penalty as far as the Brady magic uh, and the momentum all of Uncle Moe you know Uncle Moe lives in Brooklyn but apparently Uncle Moe was in Tampa if it wasn't for the generosity of the Rams giving the ball back and stumbling and bumbling none of that happens Tom Brady would have been blown out La as we say you know said throughout this uh, was the better team the Buccaneers they turned two of the Ram fumbles into touchdowns, which fueled the road back to salvation, which just turned out to be ruination for the Bucks. And ha- now, have the Rams ended Tom Brady's career? It's highly unlikely. Brady gave a vague answer. We actually have some audio here. Here's uh, Tom Brady talking about what's next, and he tap danced around it. I haven't put a lot of thought into it, so you know, we'll just take it day by day and see, kind see where we're at. I'm tr- truthfully, guys, I'm thinking about this game and not thinking about anything past five minutes from now. Yeah, he's going to milk this. You're going to see all the insiders you know, saying this, that, and the other thing about Tom Brady. Is he going to come back or not. I say Brady comes back. He has said he wants to play until he's 45. He's this close. He put up monster regular season stats. I anticipate that he will end up coming back. But I also anticipate he's going to drag this out. And they'll be like, Giselle's trying to get them to retire. The tabloids will report that. Assuming the Bucks spend the Bucs to keep a good team together, why wouldn't they? And this is their glory days in Tampa. The NFC South is easy street. The Panthers blow. The Saints suck, even though they kicked the Tampa Bay uh, tail. And uh, you look around that division, the Falcons, come on. Collective trash. So even if they go big, one of those teams in the offseason, it's, it's, again, unlikely that they will close the gap, if you know what I'm saying. You feeling me?
5: Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables.
2: Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical.
6: I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters.
5: It's an election year, so...
1: A heartland thriller in Kansas City. Welcome in the beginning of another hour of the Ben Maller Show. We are in the air everywhere together as we agree in principle to keep talking. Coast to coast, border to border, and beyond on the vast and massively Powerful microphones of FSR emanating live from a dream as we live the dream at the Fox Sports Radio Studios, a secret location somewhere in the Northwoods. And as much as I would like to continue yapping about the Rams' win over the Buccaneers, our lead this hour does come from KC, Missouri, a heartland hoedown. Josh... Allen and the Bills coming off a perfect game against Patrick Mahomey and the Chiefs in a heavyweight matchup heard round the world. It was the last game of a tremendously wild divisional round of the playoffs. I don't know if you watched it or not. Perhaps you passed out by then and missed all of the fireworks, and we got your back. And it was a classic, a uh, – that, that gets thrown around. The term great gets thrown around a lot, but this was this was everything you could possibly want. Uh, I, I have no skin in the game. I'm not a Chiefs fan or a Bills fan, but Patrick Mahomes ended up passing for 378 yards and three touchdowns. Not one, not two, but three touchdowns, leading KC back for a game-tying field goal with 13 seconds left. More on that in a sec. And then a game-winning drive in overtime as the Chiefs played keep away. The Bills did not get the ball in overtime. And the Chiefs win 42-36 to advance to their fourth straight AFC title game. All of them at Arrowhead Stadium. It's Bengals versus Chiefs. And let's get it on. The winner, the right to go to Super Bowl 56 in Inglewood. And as for Buffalo, the Buffalo Rome. With their head down, back to Western New York, licking their wounds. A demoralizing, depressing defeat. As they had the game all but wrapped up, and then they didn't. So let us discuss the question. Did the Chiefs win the game, or did the Bills lose the game? And the arrow is pointing at Buffalo. They lost the game. The better story isn't losing locker room. I've got presidential suite, book of legends, and chicken fertilizer, and we'll connect all of this together. And it's like a corn maze. We'll see where it leads. Now, first of all, this particular game, slugfest, right? The entire weekend, the entire weekend was was made up of. Last weekend was stinkers. But every game lived up to the hype and exceeded the hype. Kansas City versus Buffalo, the final game, as we said. And it came down to overtime before it was decided. And it was like an an old-fashioned staring contest. And even though it looked like Kansas City had blinked, it turns out that the Bills, the Buffalo Bills, flinched first. And more importantly, they flinched last, and that's why they lost the game. So they need to go into the medical chest. Sean McDermott's team is guilty of premature celebration. And we sell a pill for that. Now, my goodness. They were jumping up and down. It was bedlam on the sidelines. I saw it. Did you see it? I saw it. I'm sitting on my ass watching the game on TV. The coaches are jumping up and down. The players are going crazy. They feel like they won the game. And the math would say they had won the game. They were starting to smell themselves. They jumped the gun a little bit. And even though it seems mathematically improbable, that left the door open for Kansas City, and they ended up taking a wrecking ball to Buffalo's hopes and dreams. And it turns out that the Bills had reservations in the presidential suite at the Heartbreak Hotel. You've got to play the full 60 minutes plus if you go to overtime. The Bills were really good for 59 minutes and 47 seconds. And then they were really bad after that, and that's why they lost the game. Alright, now secondly, is it true? Is it true that Patrick Mahomes maintains his lead over Josh Allen in the race for the king of the younger generation of quarterbacks, and I am nodding my head yes to the victor goes the spoils. That's how this works, right? We've told that by the everyone who's Who's become come before me? That if you win, that's how that works. So listen up, listen. Josh Allen played much better than even I expected. Uh, this game was the epitome of both quarterbacks bobbing and weaving all over the field, maestros uh, playing quarterback. Allen was matching Mahomes blow for blow, body blow, body blow, and then he, and then Mahomes uh, would come back, body blow, body blow. Now in defeat, Josh Allen had a really sexy stat line. He had a really sexy stat line, 329 yards, four touchdowns. All to some guy named Gabriel Davis, never heard of him. But he also added Josh Allen, 68 yards on the ground. Unfortunately for Allen, his defense and special teams collectively let him down. I don't know how Leslie Frazier is going to get a head coaching job, the Bills defensive coordinator, after this little escapade, the Patrick Mahomes show. Will now play as we said four straight AFC title game all at Arrowhead against the Bengals. Mahomes, it's 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 close. The gap has closed, in, but Mahomes is still a few whiskers ahead of Josh Allen, and he added another chapter to his growing book. Right, we're in the legend building situation. This is the book of legends, the myths, the fairy tales of Patrick Mahomes. And you can add this one to football folklore. If Kansas City goes on to win the Super Bowl, the story of this comeback in the divisional round will be passed down through the generations. The NFL's 13-second man. Well, I said the other day I'm a two-minute man, but the 13-second man, that's even worse or better, depending on how you look at it. Because of the negligence, though, how how did the Chiefs win this game? Yeah, they made some great plays, but it was negligence by the Bills' special teams and by the defense in Buffalo. They're the ones that screwed this up royally. I'm going to hold your hand and walk you through it. Explain why they left the door open. Now, the, the big mistake on special teams was having Tyler Bass kick the ball through the end zone. For a touchback. Having Bass kick the ball through the end zone for a touchdown was a fatal mistake as it turned out. He said, well, it's 13 seconds, the game's over. Shoulda, coulda forced the Chiefs to return the kick. So, now, why wouldn't you do that? The only reason you wouldn't do that if you're the Bills is you think you're going to give a kickoff return for a touchdown or give up 40-something yards. That normally doesn't happen in the the National Football League. So, running precious seconds off the clock, if you kick off – and forced the Chiefs to return the kick. Even if it only lasts, let's say, four seconds. All of a sudden, 13 to nine seconds is a big gap. They didn't do that. Uh, Kansas City was able to preserve the clock, and they had all their timeouts. They didn't even use the third timeout. That's how crazy this was. Patrick Mahomes mobilized and militarized at the end, and he turned to the inner... Continental ballistic missiles, Tyree kill for 19 yards, Travis Kelsey for 25 yards, a zip and a zag. And all of a sudden you're at the Buffalo 31 yard line and Harrison Bucker Buckner did not choke, did not blow it. He kicked a 49 yard field goal to tie the game. And then they go to overtime. So before Mahomes won the coin toss, and you know, you're like, well, we could go either way, blah, 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 blah. Well, Mahomes wins the coin toss. Kansas City goes on an eight-play, 75-yard game-winning drive, finds Travis Kelsey for the eight-yard touchdown, and now the Chiefs get ready for Joe Burrow and Cincinnati in the AFC title game. But it was not possible. It would not have happened for Patrick Mahomes if it had not been Made possible by a series of mistakes. Now, they all seem kind of minor. They all seem kind of minor for Buffalo. But collectively, woo wee man, what stinks. That's the Bills. All right, final thought. So we have been inundated already. I just checked my inbox before the top of the hour here. We've been inundated with, this is not fair. The Bills got screwed. So thumbs up or thumbs down did the overtime rules undermine the joy of NFL divisional round weekend so i'm going thumbs down and as far as the the overtime rules everyone's complaining griping right now in buffalo and and bills fans are are, are raging uh they're spitting fire because they never got the ball in overtime now i have an unpopular opinion on this okay Defense, last I checked, is part of football. The NFL is trying to get rid of defense, but it is still part of football. And my position is the NFL should not change the overtime rules. Do not be reactionary. Do not be a prisoner of the moment here. Allow the Bills mafia to have a conniption fit. Let them pound the table, bunch of fussy babies. But it's ludicrous to consider oh, we gotta we gotta change the overtime rules, we gotta we gotta we gotta move this thing around. No. The the sudden death NFL overtime format we we know today was established back in 2010. And it gives both teams, as we know, those of us who watch these games, it gives both teams the opportunity to possess the ball at least once in overtime, unless read the fine print. This is the key. Unless the team that receives the overtime kickoff scores a touchdown on his first possession, or if there's a safety, which I don't think's ever happened. But everyone agreed. Everyone agreed when they changed the rule in 2010, you don't want to lose on a field goal. You do not want to lose on a field goal. And that would be chicken fertilizer. And whatever you do, you want to avoid and prevent the chicken fertilizer ending. And so the NFL did that. They they worked out a deal. They, it used to be back in the old days, back in the Bronze Age, that a team would come down win the coin toss, they complete a few passes, kick a field goal, win the game. Well, now if you do that, the other team gets the ball, which is a nice way to do things. At the same time, if you don't tackle anyone and your defense is so incompetent that you allow the other team to come down and score a touchdown, you deserve to lose the game, and you don't deserve to have the ball. Buffalo gets to wear the dunce cap. Now play some damn defense. 13 seconds left, you win the game. Now I don't. We're ripping the special teams, but also on the defense. You know, you were celebrating like you've gone to the to the Super Bowl, or you don't even go to the Super Bowl if you win this game. You just go to the Conference Championship game. But the way you were reacting is like, oh, we finally got by Kansas City. Blah 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 blah. But play some defense in overtime, and Josh Allen gets the ball. The, the Chiefs took out a machete to that Buffalo defense, and now the the Bills Mafia—they're out looking for vengeance. They they can take a number and get in line. This has actually happened. We've been here a while now, and I recall being in here multiple times. We've talked about this. A few years ago, Drew Brees was the hotshot quarterback in New Orleans, and he helplessly witnessed the Minnesota Vikings, of all people, drive down the field for a touchdown in overtime of a playoff game without getting a chance. The same thing happened to the Chiefs against Tom Brady and the Patriots in the AFC Championship game several years ago in Kansas City. We had Super Bowl 51 that ended. That was the TB12 Patriots who scored on the first possession of the overtime against the Atlanta Falcons, the infamous blown lead game for the Falcons. So that's, uh, that's where we're at. Now let's hear from some of the key participants in this game. Sean McDermott who came out and said, Hey, this is, this is crazy. I've never been anything, never been part of anything like this. He said, Coach, have you
4: ever been a part of a game like that?
2: Yeah. Uh, tremendous uh, effort by Josh and, you know, they made a couple more plays than we did obviously down the stretch there. And um, a tremendous job by Josh. Uh, the guys played as they played their guts out. So I you know, appreciate the way the guys battled.
1: So he, he had nothing to say. There's never been a game like that, so it's impossible for Sean McDermott to have been part of a game like that. We've never seen the quarterback put up the stat line that Allen did and Mahomes, so they played a lot of NFL games. Nobody, uh, no, no game has ever had both quarterbacks dominate the way that Allen and Mahomes did in this game. Now what about Josh Allen? Uh, here's Josh Allen who went to the bag of cliches here, Josh Allen, to explain the outcome,
7: you know they made they made one more play than we did. That's uh, that's what it came down to. You know, yeah. Obviously, it, it hurts, you know, and you don't like feeling like this, especially back to back years at the same place. We, we got to find a way uh, to be better next year and, and to accomplish what we want to accomplish.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and now you have teams like the Bengals who will start getting uh, more uh, more. Love for winning a couple of playoff games, uh, assuming they they win uh, against Kansas. I don't think they will, but if they get to the Super Bowl, watch out. One more from Josh Allen, who says that this game is like going to buy Kirkland brand gasoline.
2: I'm super proud of our guys throughout the season, the ups and downs. And
1: I know it's, it's disappointing right now. It hurts right now. And, you know, you can say it's going to, it's
3: going to be better. We're going to learn from this and it's, it's very cliche and nobody wants to hear that. But again, we just got to use this as fuel fuel for the fire.
1: Well, you can't say you're going to learn from it because you said that last year and you lost again. So you can't can't come out and say the same thing, right? I mean, didn't we hear that stuff from the Bills? Ah, we're going to learn from this. And there was that shot of – I think it was Stephon Diggs who stood out on the field at Arrowhead and watched the Chiefs celebrate going to the Super Bowl. And they said, oh, we're going to learn. it's never going to happen again. Well, it happened again. And uh, there's no reason to think it won't happen again next year. All right. It is the Ben Maller Show. Straight ahead, we're going to cheer up the long-suffering Buffalo Bills fans a a little ditty, the Buffalo Blues. We'll get to that coming up in a little bit. This portion of the Ben Maller Show made possible by Discover Card.
5: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Dominate the competition. Listen to
0: I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
7: Hi, checking in for...
0: Or the perfect table.
7: Hey, where are you? Coming!
0: And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card...
7: Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made
5: it
0: and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
3: At Bed, 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
7: If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch... You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one ZIN. Find your ZIN online or in a store near you at Zin.com find. That's Z slash find.
6: Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States.
1: Instead of remembering, we should all forget the Titans. Welcome in the beginning of another hour of the Ben Mathers show. We are side by side in the air everywhere as we never keep our mouth shut coast to coast, border to border and beyond on the vast and enormously powerful microphones of FSR emanating live from the pilot, as in autopilot, the Fox Sports Radio studios at a secret location somewhere far away in the Northwoods, but right next to you through the magic of radio. Shocking, right? I'm in your in your head. I'm in your eardrums right now. So with apologies to the Rams, Bucks, Bills, Chiefs that had amazing games. Oh, they were so excited. They were good games. No lies detected. They were good games. Uh, We must not completely ignore what happened on Saturday. And so I thought this would be as good a time as any to take a look back at what happened. Our lead this hour coming from the Music City. And now, if you listen to this show, we're on in Nashville. Took a lot of crap from Titan fans, uh, liked the Bengals in the game, and also was trashing the the Titans and saying they weren't going to do that good. And uh, remember, one call in particular from Blind Seabass, who I'm sure won't call the show. He's probably in hiding right now. But he was very upset, screaming, I don't know why I like this show. Because he what he wanted was uh, the, the tribalism. He wanted me to preach to the choir and say how great everything Tennessee had going for him. But I, I'm not like that. And so he was upset by that. And how did it turn out? Now, we cannot ignore what happened with Joe Burrow passing for 348 yards and Evan McPherson. Kicking a 52-yard field goal as time expired in the game that was the lid lifter for the wild roller coaster ride of a divisional round of the playoffs. And that kick by McPherson led the Bengals past the Titans 1916 and on to the AFC title game. A date with Kansas City. That'll be coming up this coming weekend. Cincinnati is a win away from the bloody Super Bowl. And somewhere. And I gotta find this and I'll send it out on on social media. I have a t-shirt from the last time the Bengals were in the Super Bowl that was purchased for me, not by me, by my mom of all people. She used to buy all those shirts. But the Bengals played the 49ers in the Super Bowl, and I have it's like a cartoon shirt with like Snoopy on it that they, they had for the Super Bowl back in the day, if I remember correctly. I just got to find it. Good luck on finding it. But holy boomer, and Batman, the Bengals are a win away. They're a Patrick Mahomes injury away, essentially, from going to the Super Bowl. So regardless of all that, that is not the story that is going to move the needle in talk radio, and we are doing talk radio. So the better story is in the losing locker room. We got a humdinger dinger of a story in Tennessee, and it is all about quarterback Ryan Tannehill, who was not only a quarterback, he was dreadful, spinning out of control. It was a kamikaze mission watching Ryan Tannehill play quarterback in the game on Saturday. Not one, not two, but three interceptions, including the final backbreaker, the final nail in the coffin. With 20 seconds left, The Titans had the ball at their own 40-yard line, and that allowed Joe Burrow to get into easy field goal range and a game-winning kick, as we mentioned, by McPherson, and that's that. So let us discuss the question. Number one seed in the AFC, do the Titans have a Ryan Tannehill problem? And the answer is 100% yes! Yes! 100% 100% yes. Now, I understand people can change and you can play better, and I, I do buy that. But this cat right here, Ryan Tannehill, I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. And if there is light, it's an oncoming train. I've got pre existing condition, sci fi, and diagnosis. And we'll lock all of these things together. Now, number one.
4: Number one.
1: So Ryan Tannehill is giving the brass in Tennessee an ulcer. this was another reminder that the Titans as good as they've been in the regular season in recent years are just a pretender. They're a pretender. They, they have a giant hole at the quarterback position. Now we ranted earlier this week, I guess it was last week now about the Titans being phony, phony baloney. And as I, I said, several of our friends in Nashville were very upset and the reason that is, is because you can't handle the truth. Uh, what's done is done now, and uh, we know that r- reality just kicked you in the shins. That Ryan Tannehill provided yet another example of what is known as a pre-existing condition for the Titans. It's kind of like the, the, the guy that has lupus, but doesn't want to go to the doctor and doesn't want to admit that he's got lupus. Uh, they're... they're living in a place I call denial uh, and you are what your record says you are. And Tennessee has been a contender in recent years. They've got the top running back in football in Derek Henry who played and didn't really play all that well. Like I anticipated, I didn't think he would play that well. He was kind of, eh, he wasn't the the dominating game breaking Derek Henry, but you've got two big time receivers and you have a quarterback who is out there twiddling his thumbs Uh, Period. Stop. Now, secondly, Ryan Tannehill, who has been fine since he came over from the Dolphins in the regular season. And that is the puzzling thing about this. Because when it's money-making time, Ryan Tannehill goes from serving up water from a, a special springs where there's like holy water in the regular season. And then all of a sudden he starts spewing sewer water when it comes to the postseason. Like falling in to nothingness. How bad was it for Ryan Tannehill? Well, let's go to the stats. Playoff Ryan Tannehill has been a horror story, right? A horror story, and it's it's sci-fi bad. Sci-fi bad. The incredible shrinking man when it's the championship round of the play. You know, all these games are the championship round, the postseason. Ryan Tannehill is exposed to a radioactive cloud. Nothing seems to be amiss when the playoffs start. You say, well, he'll be fine. He'll be all right. Don't worry about it. You don't even notice that he had the the brush with the radioactive cloud. But as soon as the games begin, everyone realizes that he is shrunk in height by several inches. And it keeps going and going and going and going and going. And you need to get him a high chair. with. Every performance, it's cover your eyes bad. The Tennessee brass seem baffled. They don't know what to do. How bad is it? Ryan Tannehill has now played five postseason games in his run with the Titans, and Tennessee is two and three in those games. You say, well, that's not that bad. Let's go to the numbers. Ryan Tannehill completes 62.7% of his passes. For less than seven yards a pass, which is not what you're looking for, that's average, six touchdowns, five interceptions in the postseason. But a more damning stat, the Titans are 0-3 in playoff games where Tannehill has 24 or more pass attempts. So it's touch and go when Tannehill has to throw the ball, and you normally you're on the meat rack as dead meat. Uh, now the Titans are 2-0, and when Tannehill is a decoy and passes 15 times or fewer. So you are what the numbers say you are, and dollar for dollar, Ryan Tannehill is not worth the money. All right, so final point. So now that we have established that this is a weak link, remember, just because you identified a problem does not mean that you're any closer to solving it. But I'm, a, I'm an answers guy. I, I want to help out. I, I don't want to lead. continue to lead the Titans down the garden path. So I'm going to help him out. Unsolicited advice. Unsolicited wisdom on our little show. Okay, Ryan Tannehill, he's 34 years old. He's the problem. He's going to be 34 next season. He is a riddle wrapped up in an enigma. And as my late grandfather-in-law, Luigi, would say, capiche. Uh, there is no other way to say it. So Tennessee has to figure out. They're on the expressway, and they've got to figure out, how do I get to the off-ramp at quarterback? Based on the numbers, the way the contract is written, this is going to be dicey. They are going to need the help of warlocks and wizards to get out of the contract. Now, why is that? The legalese. From what we are told, Ryan Tannehill's salary is 29 million smackaroos guaranteed, guaranteed money next season. So if the Titans released Tannehill, they'd be on the hook for $57.4 million in dead cap space. So that's a dead giveaway. They're not going to do it. Now, now, I am a salary cap truther, as you know. I believe you can work magic and move some numbers around and make some Signing bonuses and other things and vice versa. So Dr. Betty, that would be me. Dr. Betty, the salary cap doctor, I have a diagnosis. The advice here is to flee market Ryan Tannehill, to open up the flea market. A trade is a bare necessity at this point for the Titans. Tennessee's got to get creative because they've got the infrastructure, which is still pretty good they got to get somebody else. Anybody else but but Tannehill. Anybody else but Tannehill. And so I've got a four-pack of possibilities for the Titans to move on from Ryan Tannehill. Now, they could say bye-bye to Ryan Tannehill. Trade him to the Vikings for Kirk Cousins. Now, I don't know whether or not the the Vikings would make that trade. Depends on who they hire as the, the front office people and the coach and all that. Now, that's a possibility. Also, you could flip Ryan Tannehill for damage goods, send him to Cleveland for Baker Mayfield, who's persona non grata, or should be persona non grata because of the way that he's played for the Browns. Uh, other options include sending Tannehill up to Indianapolis for Carson Wentz. One problem for another problem. I'm going to trade my stomach ache for a headache and see which one I like better. You could also dump Ryan Tannehill on the Lions You could send Tannehill to the Lions for Jared Goff, because we know the Lions will take anybody. They don't care. As long as you put a sweetener in there, a draft pick is compensation. But the point I'm trying to make here is that Tennessee needs a helping hand at the quarterback position. The glass is not half full. It's half empty until you change quarterbacks. And all those quarterbacks I mentioned, Cousins, Mayfield, Wentz, and Goff have issues. But so does Ryan Tannehill. All right, you got a bad apple, so who cares if you get another bad apple? Maybe that bad apple will be a little bit better. The defense is good enough. The running game is there. They've got the running game. You just have empty space. You We, we mentioned a black hole under center in Ryan Tannehill, and that continues Racist. to be the problem. That's a scientific term. That continues to be a problem. And you know, he says all the right things. Says you know this, that, and the other thing. How great everything is, but the results are not there in these playoff games. All right, here's a let's hear from Mike Vrabel. How about that? Here's Mike Vrabel, who points out he is not exactly pleased with the Titans. I'm disappointed for them, you know, because I think that they all believed, obviously, that we would win the game. That we were just getting started. That this was a was was a second season. That the preparation and everything that we put into it uh, was there. The execution, you know, wasn't. And it's disappointing. But I'll always hurt a lot more for them than I will myself. It's just chosen to do this thing. Yeah. So for years in the NFL, when I was a little boy, I heard stories about how oh my God, the bye week. You never teams coming off the bye almost never lose. This weekend, they both lost. The Packers took it on the chin against the Niners, and the Titans losing to the Bengals. Uh, and there's only two teams that have the bye. So they they went on 2 the dreaded bye week. All right, here's more from Mike Vrabel now. The Tennessee Titans had nine sacks of Joe Burrow. They were all over Joe, but it didn't matter in the end. And here's Mike Vrabel talking about the outcome and what he really wanted. You guys, last year you talked about all the sacks we didn't have, and you guys somehow think that sacks lead to victories. They're great. Talk about how many we had this year, but I like turnovers and interceptions and cause fumbles. So maybe we'll talk. Maybe we had too many sacks this year. There you go. Going to take a stab in the dark here and uh, say that it really – sacks and turnovers, none of it matters. The Rams had four turnovers in in their game, and they won. So it's all about the – to to whittle it down, it's all about the point total. That's all. Everything else, who cares? You can parachute out of a plane. All right. Uh, here's one more. Here's Ryan Tannehill, and uh, needless to say, Ryan Tannehill, we think will will play somewhere else. At least he sh- the, the Titans have to examine that to get rid of him to trade him. And uh, Tannehill was not enjoying himself. Funny enough, uh, it was a frustrating day. <laughs>
5: All the way around, you know, Great opportunity and didn't make the plays we needed to, uh, to go win. You know, this hurts. Hurts bad. Didn't think we'd be having this conversation right now. You know, not my vision for the game at all. But we had an opportunity there at the end, and there's no doubt in my mind we're going to go down and, and get points.
1: Well, they would have if you hadn't been playing quarterback. That was the problem. You were playing quarterback. All right, it is the Ben Maller Show.